Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. All right, RJ, now that we're done with our pregame talk about the Peoria Rivermen, because <laughs> that's how we get fired up for these podcasts, we can start the Deep Dive officially, first one of October, first one since the preseason has started, and that is right, everybody, the Seattle Kraken are 4-0. and to start this preseason with three shutouts. Absolutely incredible. It has been so much fun to watch this team uh, come together, watch the new arrivals, watch the vets, watch Maddie take another step forward. So far, this preseason has just been nothing but electric, RJ. Absolutely. And it's been so fun to cover, especially here with the three shutouts coming at Climate Pledge Arena. Uh, the Kraken have yet to give up a preseason goal at Climate Pledge Arena, and that's going to stand into next year, uh, which is really cool. But yeah, just seeing the progress that everyone's making, uh, seeing the roster really start to take shape, it's been an exciting preseason. Yeah, that's right. So we're going to spend... A lot of time talking about that, a lot of time talking about everybody through training camp, what the final roster cuts are going to be for the Kraken, uh, talk about the Firebirds now that that roster is starting to get filled up, and then of course, the mascot, going to save the best for last and talk about the mascot at the end of this podcast. First though, got to do some housekeeping, and that is of course letting everyone know that the Emerald City Hockey Patreon is back up and running. You can go join it now. Help us help to keep you in the Kraken news and coverage lifestyle that you've all become accustomed to, right? <laughs> and uh, and so you can go check out the Patreon link in the YouTube description below. We've got it all over all of our socials, everything. You know, just, just come find us somewhere and you'll get the link to it. Uh, we added a ton of new options to it this year. Um, including things like monthly prospect chats with me, the great practice recap videos that RJ has been doing. Those are going to be on there. Um, we've got, uh, you know, the live game streams. Uh, there's so much of it, RJ. We've got the, the regular podcast every week. You want to start throwing some things in? Yeah, we've got early access to your former scouts take videos. Yeah. Uh, you know, those will start a little bit later. Um, we, we basically completely revamped the Patreon. We've got three new tier levels, mm -hmm. uh, three new tier names, too, uh, with, with some cool names to them as well. Uh, we've got the, the Beachgoer tier. We've got uh, the Seafarer tier. And then we've got Terror of the Deep tier uh so yeah we've completely revamped the patreon more than double the perks from last year absolutely go check it out see everything uh that we're offering it is kind of the ultimate kraken fan experience everything you could want as far as coverage uh we've got you there yeah no it's gonna be a really really fun time uh can't wait to get get at it this season right like four preseason games is enough right do we need do we need six like i just want to get to the regular season rj <laughs> I know we, we really don't need that many preseason games, but hey, I mean, when you're four and zero, it's easy to hey, just like let's quit while we're ahead. Let's yeah, get still winning in the regular season. We don't we don't need to do this, right? Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, go check out the Patreon, everybody. Really appreciate that. Um, really, really looking forward to all the all the stuff that we can deliver via that this year and all the um, the awesome. So much of it's built around the community. So just looking forward to doing all that stuff again. We always had so much fun doing those live broadcasts and stuff uh can't wait to get back to those and, and then do some of the other stuff that we're planning it's gonna be a lot of fun okay 
all right, do you want to go game by game? Should we just kind of start breaking down the roster? Like, how do you want to do this? Is there so many ways of tackling what the Kraken have done so far in this preseason, RJ? Right. I think we should do just a, a quick little game by game and all then right. get to some of our bigger takeaways from all four games, because it does all kind of blend together a little bit as far as what you can take away from this, especially since it's a lot of the same thing. Yes. Now, uh, me, of course, being stuck down here in Southern California, I wasn't able to get all of the games. Uh, got that first game against Edmonton. And, I mean, really, the highlight... Well, there's, there's what, two highlights from that, right? And that's the Maddie Beneers goal, in which Maddie Beneers, 1,000% back, just over the shoulder, fantastic, collect the puck, tough angle, get it up and over the shoulder, where there's, you know, maybe two pucks width worth of space to score in uh maddie benear is totally fine i'm not even sure we need to talk about him and then um that was the the joey assist to donato game that was yes what a beautiful. play so beautiful to watch that yeah joey decord finds ryan donato with a stretch pass there donato kind of bobbles the puck a little bit and i think it was enough to get the whalers goalie to commit mm-hmm. and then he it right into the empty net on the wraparound still a really tough skilled move to make too uh yeah. you know getting that into the net too it, it, he made it look easy but it is not uh and i like donato's answer too about you know how he saw the whole play develop he said i i played against joey in high school so i know he can do that kind of thing where he'll send those stretch passes out so i was looking for it right away mm-hmm. uh, and it's great when you've got that chemistry between two players you know almost the whole rink away uh and it comes together beautifully like that yeah, no, him talking about as soon as he saw Joey's head go up, he knew what was going going on. And he was like, oh, man, I got to get going. Um, absolutely fantastic. Got to love, you know, stuff like that. Like, that is just awesome, awesome stuff. So uh, Kraken win that, that Edmonton game 3 nothing uh, at home, kick off the preseason right. Uh, I think that was Tanev's first game back, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it was. Yeah, So that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then the next night, got the Calgary game. And this was one of the, the two, unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch. So I'll let you kind of take over for that one. Right. So in the Calgary game, uh, well, how it worked also was the Kraken basically split their whole training yeah. camp roster into two. So you had half the roster going against Edmonton and then basically the other half, uh, you know, going the next night against Calgary. I don't think there was any overlap, but it was another three to zero shutout. Um, you know, you had goal from Daniel Sprong, who again, looked awesome in that game. Uh, and then uh, for the second game in a row, a shorthanded goal, great play from Jared Schwartz. I mean, Jaden Schwartz and Jared McCann yeah. um, on the two on one shorthanded. I just, it was a tap in for Schwartz uh, at that point. So the penalty kill looking dangerous. And that's one of the themes that we're going to get to uh, with these preseason games. And then of course, uh, another shutout. So you have all four crack and goalies with basically half a game of shutout hockey. Um, and this flames game, of course, was the first preseason game uh, for Shane, Wright. And so uh, you get, you know, him and uh, uh, Jagger Furcus, some of these younger players also uh, getting some game action there. Um, so that, that was an interesting game to watch after the game. I, I know uh, Dave Haxtell really praised Daniel Sprong. This was one of those games that, you know, Sprong doesn't have a contract yet. He's auditioning for a spot, as we'll talk about later. And uh, Haxtell gave him a glowing review. He said he played his ass off and he sure did. 
Yeah, he really did. And uh, he, yes, he scored a goal. And I, and I like Taxdall's answer too about Sprong. And, oh, he scores another goal. He's like, look, I know he can score in this league. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's something we all know, right? Um, and he said, I don't want to diminish that. You know, it's very hard to do. I know he can score in this league. What I want to see from him is that 200 foot game, you know, that complete game. And he mentioned he brought it uh, yeah. so that he made a good case for himself in that one. Yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, we're going to talk, talk about it when it comes to like final cuts and stuff here for the Kraken, but uh, Sprung is certainly making an interesting case for himself uh, as we, as we go through, you know, talking about, yeah, we know he can score. It's, it's it's really it's the other aspects right that have always kind of been the question mm-hmm. there for him. Um, all right, so the the Kraken finish up that game against Calgary three nothing like you said, roll into their first away game of the preseason up in Vancouver and this one not quite so easy for the Kraken ends up going to overtime but Kraken are able to pull it out. Yes, they were. And this one was kind of a reversal of of the first two games roster wise, because this is something that will happen a lot in the early in the preseason where a home team will dress a lot of their better players. The road team will send, you know, maybe more of their roster bubble guys at best, you know, kind of a, a team of scrubs almost. And generally the home team will win because there's just such an experience imbalance there. And when you watch those first two games for Seattle against Edmonton, against Calgary, there's kind of that caveat there, right? The Kraken had a lot of NHLers in the lineup. Flames and Oilers, almost none. You know, no McDavid, yeah. no Dreisaitl, no Huberdo, no Kadri, uh, nothing like that. But a little bit reversed in this one. A lot of the Kraken stars did not make the trip up to Vancouver. It was a lot of roster bubble guys. And you had some good players in the lineup for Vancouver. You had JT Miller. You had Elias Pettersson. Um, I, I believe you had Bo Horvat. you know, you had a, a pretty good Vancouver lineup, Thatcher Demko uh, getting the mm-hmm. start for them. Um, and you, you could see it early because, uh, you know, the Kraken fell behind 3-1 in the first period, uh, but they clawed their way back. It was a really gutsy effort. Uh, the Canucks were kind of all over them to start, but they found their legs and uh, got got some contributions from guys you might not expect, you know, mm-hmm. like John Hayden, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's one we're going to talk about. And especially cause he's still, you know, on the active roster, we'll talk about him as it, as it comes to maybe the final cuts that are made, uh, but two fights. So really he's setting the tone there yeah. and then scores the tie and goal. Yeah, no, it was a total gutsy performance. Like you said, from the whole team, I think Hayden kind of really, you know, kept, captured all of that and that momentum and energy that the Kraken were, were feeling and really kind of powered them to that overtime, you know what I mean? And, and, and got helped get them there. And, and uh, it was a really impressive performance. And then you've got Ryan Donato with the second goal of the preseason to, to finish it off in overtime to, to, you know, keep the perfect preseason alive. Yeah. That was a nice goal too. I, he just feels automatic when he's on a breakaway like that. Right. He really you does. Just, you get that feeling, you know, he's going to score. Right. And it's kind of crazy. Cause it's not like he's, you know, got like a million tricks up his sleeve. Right. <laughs> you know, he's, he's not like Datsuk or something coming down the ice at you where you're just like, what is going to happen here? Um, but he's, he's just got that, that way of, of, you know, finding, finding the empty spot. Right. And at the end of the day, right. that's all you got to do. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of times it's just one solid deke to get the goalie out of position yep. and, and pick his spot and, and, you know, beat the goalie. Yeah, exactly. It's It, it doesn't have to be hard. Um, and then final preseason game, or at least the last preseason game that they have played so far, there's what, another one tonight and then on Friday, 
against the Canucks again, this time in Climate Pledge Arena. And uh, another shutout for the Kraken, this time 4 nothing win for the Kraken. Um, this one, just, you know, Thatcher Demko kind of doing his thing right at the beginning, keeping keeping the Canucks in it, even though the Kraken were really all over them, right? A couple power plays, not quite able to, to get through on those power plays, really dominated play. I forget exactly what the shots on goal total was, but it was like 14 to 3 at the end of the yeah, first period yeah for the for the kraken um and and you know for 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 a moment i was kind of thinking right like oh man here we go again like this is really looking like kraken hockey they're dominating can't quite get it done a couple power plays not not you know doing it um but uh but then in the second period maddie Beniers, who else right but maddie Beniers is able to break through get a goal on demco uh, kind of help keep the momentum going and, and keep it all positive and like, hey, yeah, you know what, we can do this. And then come the third period, things just started uh, opening up for the crack and you get Wenberg in there right at the beginning of the period, get a goal. You get Yanni Gord coming in, scoring a, a sweet goal over Demko's shoulder. And then, uh, of course, Yanni Gord with the empty net towards the end there. But this one felt the most like, you know, it was the closest to... Uh, I would say the final roster as we're probably going to see from the Kraken uh, up until these, you know, these next couple games where you had, you know, you had Shane Wright in there with Maddie, you had Gord in there with Wenberg, you know what I mean? Like you had everybody kind of in there together. You had Dunn and uh, Schultz together on the back end running the two power plays and stuff. And, and so, uh, cause they were split up for those first two games on those two different, uh, squads that the Kraken had going on. So this one felt like the most, you know, this is the Kraken we're going to see. And if that's the case, this Kraken team looks good. It does. And the D pairs, I think we're pretty close to what we're going to see yeah. in the regular season. That was, uh, you know, just about it. Uh, and as far as the forwards, really, it was just, uh, Jaden Schwartz and Jordan Everly were the, the two real mainstays, uh, that were not in the lineup. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and it's, I think it's worth noting too, the Canucks again, had some good players yep. in the lineup. They, they didn't just send, you know, kind of the skeleton crew to go, go make the trip. Uh, um, JT Miller was in the lineup. Bo Horvat was in the lineup. You had Ekman Larson, Myers, you know, Luke Shen, a lot of their regular, uh defenseman too and and thatcher demko starting yep. you know again so uh and playing the whole game so you know that's it's not an easy game for the kraken to do that and it makes it more impressive of a showing right and we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about grubauer starting and playing that whole game either and and collecting the shot that's right uh i think that yeah, was he a... went the distance he's got he's got what i think about 90 minutes now of of yeah. Shut out hockey. Yeah, in no, preseason. he looks, he looks really, really sharp. We'll, we'll, you know, again, we'll talk about it more when we get into the roster stuff here in just a second, but Grubauer looks really, really sharp in a way that, you know, he never quite was able to look, uh, last season, maybe not, not be this comfortable last season. So, uh, really, really excited about that. Anything else you want to talk about this game or should we go ahead and, and dive into the roster stuff? Uh, one thing I want to touch on actually from the game in Vancouver that I forgot to mention, because mm -hmm. there were a couple injuries the Kraken uh, dealt with there as well. Uh, Michael Kempney took a hit yeah. along, uh, you know, along the end boards. And um, he's been kind of working his way back from that. And then Jonas Donskoy had kind of an awkward collision as well. Uh, neither returned for that final game against Vancouver at home. Uh, so those are a couple situations to monitor. We'll get into that as we talk about the roster, but uh, mm -hmm. worth mentioning with that, that previous game. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, 
Okay, so let's let's kind of start looking here at the roster, and this can kind of also be where you know you could talk about training camp and the things kind of going on there as as we start going through it. Um, I guess let's let's go ahead and talk about Shane Wright, just because I know you know obviously lots of discourse through all these preseason games trending after that first performance of his and everything. Um, I I just think it's probably best if we get that stuff out of the way. I personally feel like Shane Wright looks like he's going to hang around. I think he's going to make the final roster. I think he's going to play past the nine game sample unless things really, you know, fall apart for him. Um, But I don't see that happening. I think Shane Wright has looked fairly comfortable playing in these NHL games, taking face-offs, doing all that stuff. He's, he seemed a lot like Shane Wright that last season in the OHL. He's focused on defense. He's focused on making sure his positioning is good. He's focused on being solid. And then, you know, the offense, it'll come at some point, right? Yeah, I, I think my number one takeaway is just he looks like he belongs. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's not lighting the world on fire. Uh, you know, he's not really struggling mightily, you know, as you might expect a younger player to. Mm-hmm. He just looks like he belongs and, and he's fitting in. Uh, and I think that's an encouraging sign because it could be very tough making this jump. I think it's almost certain that I, I would be very surprised if he doesn't make the initial roster uh, to start the season. You know, after those nine games, I think they'll make another call. But at this point, I do think now it's more likely than not uh, he plays beyond those nine games. I, I think the team is, uh, has tried to set him up to succeed. And you look at the players that he's playing with uh, and that, That'll tell you that they have plans for him, uh, you know, throughout the season, playing him with a Jaden Schwartz, with a Jared McCann, uh, with a Jordan Everly. You know, those aren't line mates you're going to give a guy who you plan to send down, I think. And, you know, again, it's still after the nine games, we'll see how it goes. But it seems like the plan is to keep him up and and just something would have to happen to, to deviate from that plan. Yeah, I agree. I had made the comment on Twitter that right now he's playing a lot more like a, a young Jordan Stahl than, than Kopitar or Taves, right? Kind of two guys <laughs> we've talked about when it comes to uh, two-way centermen and, and stuff. And I say that for a couple reasons. One, as and I'm stating that uh, this again here, this is not having to do with future potential. This, has, this is strictly to do with an 18-year-old that the team seems committed to keeping around, as we just talked about, and uh, given a, a serious shot at playing the entire season. And that's where Shane Wright is. So I made that comment because seeing him, you know, the offensive part of his game, like we talked about, it's it's solid. Uh, I like kind of him on the power play. He's generating chances there. He's he's uh, You posted a very good video from the first Vancouver game about him entering the zone and, and kind of button hooking and creating space for himself so he can see the ice and, and try to make a, a, pl- a pass play there, right? He is doing these things offensively. Got to elevate the puck, dude. Got to, got to elevate the puck, okay? <laughs> there, there were certainly times in that last Vancouver game uh, really throughout that game, Thatcher Demko was given the Kraken up high and it took the Kraken a while to kind of catch on to that uh, and start shooting high. But there was certainly times where I felt like if if he could and, you know, I don't know, this is this is one thing where I've had questions with his shot mechanics. We talked about this last week with that kind of, you know, unique release he has. How much elevation can he get on that? Really, like thinking back to his OHL days, I'm trying to think how often did he go top corner? And I... I don't know that I can really think of too many 
times where it was just like some snipe, you know, top shelf kind of thing. It was a lot of going under goalies arms and stuff. And so I think that might be, you know, something he's going to have to work on over the course of the season. I think there's bigger things to worry about over the course of your first NHL season. Um, But I think that's kind of where he's at. And some people freaked out a little bit when I made the Jordan Stahl comment. Uh, comparison because I think everybody's looking at where Jordan Stahl's at now and thinking like oh is that where we want this like you know high class kid and for one I will say Jordan Stahl's played over a thousand games and been very productive in the NHL if that is what Shane Wright turns into there is literally nothing wrong with that that is a fantastic NHL career and a very productive one for uh, for his team but looking back at Jordan Stahl's rookie season when he was 18 scored 42 points I think that's probably realistically what we're looking at with Shane Wright anyway, a point every other game, right? Like, I, I think that's realistic uh, as for production for an 18-year-old coming in, particularly an 18-year-old who is more focused on the defensive side of the game, more focused on learning how to be a two-way centerman, being on the third line as we're projecting him to be, right? And that's going to be more of his role to begin with, with just a little bit of power play time. Uh, Jordan Stahl did have 29 goals. Probably not going to happen for Shane Wright. Uh, that is still, you know, we're talking season one, uh, the second season after the lockout there for Jordan Stahl. The, the world was very different. Got Jonathan Shichu scored, you know, 56 and then 37 that year. So um, de- very different NHL uh, than what we're looking at now. But uh, I really like what I'm seeing from Wright. I, I really think he looks solid and and I'm really looking forward to him playing this full season and just getting used to the NHL, learning all of those things, because I think that's going to be very, very good for him, building that solid foundation of NHL lifestyle, getting used to the physicality of it, getting used to the grind of the full 82. Um, I think that's going to do wonders for him in a way that I don't know it would have done the same thing for Maddie as an 18-year-old. You know, I, I think Shane Wright's better set up for that, just given his style of play and where he's at right now. Um, I just, you know, don't don't expect a million points. That's not who he is right now and that's okay we want him to learn these solid fundamentals because those are the things that are going to pay off in huge ways you know two three years down the road when we're trying to make serious deep playoff runs the lessons he learns here are going to be those things that that pay off for the crack in there yeah and this is a good spot i think potentially to learn those you look at if you were to send him back to the ohl being one of the best you know, maybe the best player there mm-hmm. it's harder to learn those fundamental skills in a way that really challenges you and, and and helps build you up and that's one thing i've noticed really since dev camp with shane wright is that the better the competition the better he looks i think he's someone who kind of thrives on those challenges and that's another reason to keep him up in the nhl and a reason to put him in those spots uh not just with good players but against good players and we've seen that throughout the preseason too you know he he looked all right in that first game against the flames and then you know in that second game against the canucks you put him against some you know higher tier nhl talent i thought he looked better um and and it's kind of odd to to think that necessarily. You know, I don't think that's how it would work with a lot of players, but it's what we've seen since Shane Wright got to Seattle. Yeah, these these guys with their like you know elite work ethic and stuff. The the stories we've heard about Shane Wright going back to you know pre exceptional status and all of that stuff. Right, he is just one of those guys who always wants to be in those situations and uh, finding himself in those situations here. He is you know. He's looking good, and um, that's that's all we want. 
you know, again, this isn't supposed to be our Stanley Cup window year and all of that kind of stuff anyway. So I don't think we need to we need to worry about, like I said, point production, all that stuff. It's just let's get him in, get him comfortable in the NHL, learning lessons. And uh, it's, it's going to be a fun, fun ride for us all to experience together and, and certainly for him. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that was one one takeaway, too, I wanted to mention after after that, you know, first preseason game or whatever. He was so excited that Calgary game, uh, you know, in, in the locker room afterwards. He's just like, this is this is the dream I've been working my whole life towards and I'm living it right now. And you could see that on his face, uh, you know, hard not to be happy for him. Exactly. No, I'm I'm super thrilled for him. Uh, really, really excited about things, uh, you know, just to get it out of the way. We talked about Matty Beneers already again, just like with, with your training camp report. Dude is just the best player on the team. Sorry. Like, that's just the way it is. If, if you think it's someone else, sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> it's, it is Matty exactly. Veneers. It is Matty Veneers. Uh, this Calder campaign he is going to have is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be our first, like, you know, national trophy race, RJ. That's right. That's right. Yeah, the Kraken, uh, we're certainly not in contention for any of the big awards last season. But uh, Matty Veneers has to be one of the favorites, if not the favorite for the Calder Trophy this year. Uh, I, I don't think that everyone around the league realizes just how good he is and how much better he's gotten over yes. the offseason because it is noticeable. And yes, he was good in that 10-game stretch last year, but he has gotten much better. Yeah. My favorite part through training camp and, and preseason is all these people tweeting about how, how like special he looks and all this stuff. And I was just like... I said it his first first uh the first time i saw him was his first uh you know pregame skate or whatever uh morning skate in at climate pledge remember and i and i remember i think i tweeted out at that time i was like wow this kid's special like he's gonna be their best player and it's gonna be like soon like really soon like last year kind of soon and so uh <laughs> I'm just liking that he's continued that trajectory and, and we're all seeing it now. It's uh, he's, he's just so fantastic. Um, where do you want to go next? You want to talk about the other new arrivals uh, first and kind of how they're, they're fitting in. Sure. Let's do that. Okay. So Bjorkstrand is the one that's really stood out to me um, just in a lot of the ways that you and I predicted, right? He's versatile. He can kind of play in different spots. Uh, both on the power play and five on five, he can play with different people and you kind of get a consistent result out of him, which is just a really good driver of offense. Um, the one criticism I guess I'd give him is, you know, it's okay to shoot the puck. Like, like, you know, this is a pet peeve we all had as Kraken fans last season, right? There was just too much passing at times, not enough just taking a shot. I think Bjorkstrand's kind of falling into that category a little bit right now. Anyway, it is just preseason. Um, but, but in every other way, Bjorkstrand, I mean, anyone they're playing him with, he just looks comfortable. He's, he's finding open spots behind defenses in the offensive zone. I like his speed and energy entering the zone in the transition game. He's, he's, he's as advertised. He has this way of elevating anyone he plays with, too, and, and just mm -hmm. seamlessly. It, it's almost like it doesn't matter what type of player you put him with. Uh, he's just that perfect fit on whatever line, and we've seen that on a few different lines. He's played with Matty Beneers. Um, yeah. uh, he's played with, you know, recently with Alex Wenberg and Yanni Gord, and, and he's done a lot to make that line work. Uh, 
it's been tough for me kind of figuring out where the best fit for him is because I look at him one place. I'm like, okay, yeah, he's got real chemistry, you know, with veneers and all this. And then he's with Wenberg. Oh, he's got real chemistry with them. I think it's just him. I, yeah. I think it's just Oliver Bjorkstrand. You know, like you said, as advertised, uh, I, I think he's going to be a great piece that, that Dave Haxtell can fit really wherever he needs to. Um, and yeah, I mean, I kind of just want to echo what you've said, really. I, you, you phrased it well, you know, his speed entering the zone and his playmaking ability. Uh, he made a great pass to Alex Wenberg uh, in the last game to find him right in the slot. He even got Alex Wenberg to shoot mm -hmm. the puck. I mean, what more can you want out of a guy? Um, <laughs> Talk about magic. Uh, I know. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's just brought everything I, I could have hoped for so far um, and excited to see, you know, him let loose in the regular season. Yeah. And especially on the power play. Mm. It already the power play looks so much better that first unit and um, having him out there and being a part of it is is I think part of the reason why and and the little and they struggled to find someone in the bumper spot last year too and, and Bjorkstrand is just built for that bumper yep. spot uh, Dave Haxtell talked about it how great it is to have someone who's not just a distributor from that spot but a legitimate shooting and scoring threat as well it's a whole other dimension that teams have to uh, take into account I'd like to see them work more plays to him I haven't seen uh, a lot of him being utilized there but I know that he can be a good shooting threat from that spot I've seen him kind of working individually with with coaches as far as getting quick shots off in tight space from that slot spot and that you know that that tells me that's power play work um, but I'd like to see a little bit more as far as plays designed to go to him there and that's something that you, a wrinkle you can put in once you you know the season's going you have a little bit more time to practice um, but yeah, no, I, I've been, I've liked what I've seen. Yeah. And, you know, I, I talked about it a little bit last week. I think it was last week where I talked about Connor Bedard on the Canada power play at the World Juniors and playing higher up in the slot so that you're kind of only dealing with the forwards and then being able to get um, shots off from there. And one thing I did notice about Bjorkstrand is he does like to kind of sit a little higher in the slot when he's in that bumper role and so I still think that that is something that they could look at with him as far as getting him to generate chances and then also stretching out the defense not letting them you know the penalty kill not letting them kind of collapse in in the middle and, and clog up that passing lane between you know Burkowski and a Beniers all that kind of stuff and, and uh, I should mention that's one thing I like with Bjorkstrand on the power play too I, I don't like they haven't gone to him a lot as far as a you know a shooting threat but they've given a, him a lot of freedom of movement yes uh, not just for moving up higher into the zone to try and get himself open but also puck support yep. anywhere you need puck support he's the guy to yeah. go in yes. along the boards anywhere you need it so I, I like that he's kind of that utility player as well yeah no loving everything we're seeing from from Oliver Bjorkstrand uh super super pumped to have him here again got him for a steal too just got to mention that. I know. Ronnie Francis getting fourth. it done. Can you believe that? It's, it's going to be incredible this season. Um, all right, let's talk about their other major you know, new addition, right? Uh, Andre Burakovsky. Not quite as like instant success or instant plug and play in the lineup as Bjorkstrand has been. That being said, I feel like as the preseason gone on, he's looked so much more comfortable. Uh, just the more game action he's getting and um, as they're moving him around, you know, kind of figuring out who he's he's comfortable with. I think the comfort level has increased, although I will say in general, he's he's just kind of blended into the background for me. Uh, one of the things with Burakovsky is that 
I mean, that's the book on him, right? That mm -hmm. sometimes he'll just go invisible. Other times he will just wow you with incredible feats of skill. Uh, and I really haven't been wowed yet. But again, that's that's kind of what we know about him, right? He'll have these stretches. And I think uh, he'll, he'll do something that will amaze us at some yeah. point. And he'll do another thing that will amaze us. And another thing and another thing. And it'll kind of build. Uh, but he just hasn't really gotten the momentum going yet. They've shuffled him around on different mm -hmm. lines. They started him on kind of what we viewed as like a, a third or a fourth line even uh, to start uh, training camp. And we talked about that last week and then they've since moved him up uh, with some of the, the some of the better players. You know, he's been playing with Matty Beniers recently, but I just haven't seen him really add to a line yet. Um, you know, he, he hasn't looked out of place. He hasn't taken away from anything, uh, but he just hasn't set himself apart anyway for me mm -hmm. uh so i'm still waiting to see something from him uh, i'm confident he can do it i mean we, we've seen him do it yeah you know on multiple different teams years destinations in the past um but yeah i think he just still needs to settle in a little bit more or something just needs to click for him yeah and and that's why i thought you know his comfort level's gone up and it's and it's meant that i've noticed him more the one time i've always noticed him is on the power play through these preseason games he's very noticeable on the power play um i like what he's doing over there on the left side I think the team could involve him a little more. Like I, I still, I would like to see that a little bit. I'd like to see them allow him to maybe work towards the middle a little bit more when he has the puck too. It looks like he feels like he's kind of stuck over there on that left side. Like he'll start to take some steps and then he kind of stops himself. I'd like to see him just kind of given free reign to do what he wants to do. Cause I do think that he's a good distributor as we've talked about. And um, I want to, I want him to have, you know, full access to just read a defense and, and do what he wants to do with that information. I think that's how you know, top tier players should play. Um, five on five, certainly the first time that first preseason game, completely invisible, wasn't really there. Since then, as the comfort levels grown, noticed him a little bit more in transition. I think overall, you know, the Kraken's transition still, I'm not a huge fan of it, particularly on the power play, trying to get back into the offensive zone on the power play. Like, you don't need all four guys to just line up at that blue line and wait for the defenseman or whoever's going to be the puck carrier to come all the way from your own zone. Like all you're doing is create is you're adding, you know, bodies, you're stacking eight bodies on that blue line that this guy's got to break through. Well, what are we doing? You know what I mean? I, I really, I don't like that. I think they should start at their own blue line, work with speed with that person. They can then pass to one side or the other and everybody can enter the zone with speed. I think that would be a lot more effective, but that's a different conversation. Uh, but thank you for letting me have it just now. Um, but with Burakovsky, I'm noticing him a little bit more in the defensive zone. You know, he's not going to be like a defensive stalwart kind of guy. That's not who he is, especially as a, as a, a winger. Um, but I'm, I'm noticing him a little bit more in that transition game coming up with guys. I think he's getting a feel for how everybody else plays. And I think that's all he's trying to do is just figure out how do these guys think and then I'll settle into a way that complements them. And, you know, you can argue, I'm sure some people are, about whether or not that's what you want. You're, you know, high-class free agent, big signing. You want him to be like that versus being like, no, I'm the guy and this is how I'm going to play. And then they're going to, you know, play with me. But the bottom line is, on a team like the Kraken that are set up the way they are, where you have a top nine that are all fairly interchangeable up and down the lineup, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. And I certainly think for someone coming into it, stepping into it the way Burakovsky has, I understand that thought process of 
let me just kind of figure out what's going on here because it's not like playing in a Colorado where it's like, okay, if I'm on the first line, this is definitively what I'm doing. And if I'm on the second line, this is definitively what I'm doing based on who I'm playing with. And yeah, I guess it takes some adjustment as far as expectations on my end, because I, I got to look in the mirror here, too, because I, I, you know, I heard from him basically how he wants to kind of step up and, and have mm -hmm. this bigger role this season. It's something I think we all thought of with that free agent signing is, look, he didn't have a ton of opportunity in Colorado. He was playing third line minutes, uh, but now he steps into a big role. He's ready to kind of take over. And, and I think you can maybe get a little too eager for, for him to really look like he's taking over there. But it, you're right. It's not the worst thing for him to kind of be cautious, try and get comfortable uh, with the other players and everything. And, you know, I, I just hope that he does kind of grow into taking over at some mm -hmm. point uh, because I, I do think that's what, what the Kraken expect from him and what, what yeah. he expects from himself ultimately at the end of the day. It's still early. And, and I am glad to hear from you that you're liking little bits of what you're seeing, that you're seeing progression, that you're seeing yeah. improvement. Cause I know you have a more perceptive eye for these things than I do. Um, so that that's at least good to hear. Yeah, no. And, and like I said, I mean, this is something we talked about last year. There was tons of Wenberg, right? Wenberg never totally looked comfortable last year because the lines were just ever in flux, right? Like they were constantly shifting. And I think that, you know, this year things are going to be a little more solidified, right? You you can kind of slot in Maddie first line all season long. You can kind of slide in Shane Wright third line basically all season long. That stability is going to help a lot. And I think he's just a guy who wants that stability to want he wants to know where he stands with his line mates and what line he's on so he knows what type of game to play, right? Because he is a versatile guy, kind of like Bjorkstrand. It's just this is the other side of that coin of some guys, they're either going to go out there and they're just going to do what they do and try and adjust on the fly. And there are other guys who want to prepare for that, right? And we're seeing Bjorkstrand, uh, uh, Burkowski is one of those guys who wants to prepare for the role he's given. And as long as he's, you know, jumping from the fourth line to the first line and everywhere in between, I don't think we're going to see him totally settle into something. And so uh, that is something I would like to see through the, these last two preseason games and the rest of camp is just get him paired up. We talked last week about the pairs, get him paired up with somebody and just kind of figure out if you're going to have him settle in on that first or second line and then let him, you know, get to work with that information. If we don't, you know, if we don't really see the progression past that, you know, 10, 15, 20 games into the season, then we can start talking about it again. But I think, I think that's really what he's looking for as far as on the ice. Uh, and it makes sense to me anyway. So that's something uh, important to look for in the next uh, couple preseason games. Yeah. See who he's with, how he's developing all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. And then last kind of new addition that I think we, we should talk about, because I don't know that we totally need to talk about Martin Jones all that much, would be uh, Justin Schultz on the back end. He's looked really good as advertised. I, I kind of want to give him the keys to the first unit power play. I do too. And it seems like the coaching staff does as well, because that's where they started him at training camp and they, they haven't moved him off of it yet. Uh, I think he's kind of earned that spot and it's, it's tough because the first unit power play, they haven't scored yet. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something worth talking about. Yeah. They haven't scored yet. Uh, and, and you've seen some struggles there, but I don't think any of that has really been on Justin Schultz. I think he's been playing his role as the quarterback. Well, um, I, I would chalk it up more to, chemistry building yeah uh and then you know the lack of of time to really institute a lot of different plays a lot of different wrinkles in the power play and, and dave haxtell talked about this too after the last 
preseason game because we asked him about the power play again, mm-hmm. you know, given that the, that top unit still hasn't scored. And he's, you know, I think he was realistic about it. He said, look, you look at some of the top power play units in the league. They haven't just been together, you know, for chunks of a season. They've been together four, five years. Yeah. And you can really build a lot when you have that kind of time together. And it's just a luxury the Kraken don't really have by virtue of only existing for one full season. Um, you can't really do that. So I think it's one of those things that just takes a lot of time. Uh, and at least now they have the skill there. And I think Justin Schultz uh, is able to distribute the puck well. He's able to work with that skill. I, I just chalk it more up to, you know, to chemistry and scheme. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I've just felt like, you know, he, he's, he's similar to Dunn, right. In this, in the way that they quarterback the power play, but I think he does some of the little things a little better than Dunn. And I think that it's going to be very valuable to for Vince Dunn to have somebody like, like him around to teach him these things. And by that, some of those things are creeping in, like when you don't have the puck creeping in, shortening that zone, getting more into the high slot than being way back at the blue line. Um, it, it makes, you know, it puts a lot more pressure on the PK. They feel like you're more of a threat there. You're not just kind of hanging back where they know, okay, if it gets back to him, it's either going to be a long shot my goalie can see, or, you know, he's going to then just pass it off to somebody else. We don't totally have to worry about him. When you start creeping into the slot, they have to worry about you because now you're a one-timer threat, right? Like there, there is stuff they have to consider with you coming down there. Um, so there's that. There's also the aspect of just shortening the zone in that way. He gets the puck and he dishes it to the side very quickly. He doesn't take a look. He, he makes sure when he doesn't have the puck, that's when he's doing all of his looking around. So that the moment he has the puck, he's either going to send it because he knows he's got the, the shooting lane open or he is, he is making a pass and he knows exactly where he's going to pass it to. So I think those two things are kind of what's been missing for Vince Dunn on the power play on the other end is he holds onto the puck a little bit too long and then it's harder to set up a one-timer to either side once you've kind of centralized the puck there in the middle and I don't think Vince Dunn does a good enough job of making himself feel like a threat to opposing PKs. Schultz is doing those two things. I really think that's going to be valuable for Vince Dunn to learn over the course of this season and then you know moving forward long term obviously Vince Dunn is more so going to be the guy for the Kraken. Um, and, and I think this season is going to do a lot to kind of get him ready for those opportunities again on a first unit. But for now, I want to see it be Schultz. Um, yeah, so those are those are really the, the, the new guys. I think we could probably transition now into, you know, the cuts, right? Like, is there, I mean, first off, is there anybody else you want to talk about? We should probably talk about Yanni Gord a little bit moving to wing. Right, because uh, he's kind of transitioned there the last couple games. I mean, it's something we've seen him do in the past. It's it's not yeah. huge news there, but I think it does open up some some possibilities yes. on you know whatever line he's on. We've talked about how many centers the Kraken have. That if Shane Wright was going to stick, mm-hmm. somebody was going to have to move to wing. Um, and we talked a little bit about that line with Bjorkstrand, Wenberg, and Gord on it. And I, I like the dynamic there with Gord moving to wing because. Yes, he's a great center. Yes, he can play great defensively. Excuse me, but he can also create chaos as a yes. winger. I mean, with his forechecking ability, uh, we we all know what Yanni Gord is capable of. And if you have a guy like Alex Wenberg able to sit back, kind of be the more conservative one, jump in when it's op- when opportunity strikes, but you know can be the one to be a little bit more reserved. You can just unleash Yanni Gord on the other team's defenseman as a forechecker, and then of course Oliver Bjorkstrand fits in anywhere. Um, I I think moving Yanni to wing 
good decision given how the rest of the lineup is shaking out. And I mean, he's just looked fantastic. I, someone that, you know, it's he's in midseason form already. I, I just think you can't you can't turn it off with him. Right. Uh, we saw even on you know day one. Actually, no, it was it was during rookie camp, one of those informal scrimmages. Uh, you know, before training camp even started, he's already going 110 uh, percent back checking. Uh, I, I just think he has one level, and and you just can't deviate from that. He's not capable of doing anything less. Right, and for me, having him on the wing, the the biggest thing is that he can utilize his speed now. You can get him in breakaway opportunities and stuff, right? Like when was some of his most exciting, you know, times last year was all those like breakaways on the PK, right? When he's when he's kind of freed up, when he doesn't have to play low in your, the defensive zone as the center and take on those responsibilities, you can utilize his speed and his ability to, you know, be a, a very big offensive threat uh, coming with speed, either whether it be in transition or just breaking out of your own zone on a breakaway or something like that and, and pushing the defense back on their heels in a big way. And so that's what I've been most excited about with him being on the wing. Obviously, like you said, the forechecking is a huge part of it too. Um, but I, I, yeah, I'm really liking this experiment so far. I, I think it's something that should hang around into the regular season. And last season too, we were we were thinking about Yanni Gord making, maybe taking a step Forward as far as scoring ability, scoring numbers, being that you know true yep. top six scorer, but the talent just wasn't around him on that team. They needed him yeah. to do too many other things. He had to focus and be a center, or else they were just gonna you know hemorrhage goals against and chances mm -hmm. against. Now maybe there's enough talent that he can really focus on that. Yeah, exactly. Um, talking about more talent, I think uh, you know we should briefly mention Brandon Tanev is back. I felt like he's looked like Brandon Tanev. Um, I think the only sad thing is because of the addition of the talent around, he's going to be relegated to a bottom six role more definitively this year rather than last. It just means we're going to see him less in games, but that's just because, especially on the wings, you know, the Kraken really beefed up there. But Brandon Tanev looks great. Yeah, Turbo's back. He's himself. Yeah, it, it, was there ever any doubt? No, not really. Um all right, so uh, yeah, anybody else you want to mention real quick, or or should we start looking at cuts, final cuts? Uh, just a quick shout out to the goalies because yeah. as we mentioned before, they've done great. Both Phil Grubauer and Martin Jones have been perfect this preseason. Which, given how much of a struggle the goaltending was last year, that's that's big positive news for the Kraken. Yeah, no, Grubauer is like I said, he looks sharp. That positioning's back. All that it's he looks good. <laughs> it's just no way Another quick it. shout out, Steve Briere, the new goalie yep. coach. Yep. The goalies love him. They absolutely love him. They they speak so glowingly of you, of him every time he's brought up. Um, he's really turned things around, I think. I think that's something we're gonna have to remember to shout out several times throughout the course of the season. As as things mm -hmm. go differently from last year, I, I think that's gonna be a big part of it. He he has done uh good work so far as far as these preseason games have gone. But yes, just the overall feel of all the goaltenders and their their energy and everything which is very important to that position uh definitely oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely different from last season um okay so as things stand right now the kraken have you know just final cuts left to make and they got to cut six players off of this roster you tweeted out um kind of where things stand yesterday on the emerald city hockey twitter account at emerald city hky uh, so I'm looking at that here. So we gotta we gotta trim six names from this list, RJ. Do you have do you get a sense or are there any like kind of automatics off of this that that you think we probably both agree on? 
Right. So, I mean, let's looking at this roster, they have 29 players left. Yeah. Roster size is 23. That means six more cuts need to be made. I, made. I think it's also worth mentioning, you know, the guys that 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 were cut, six players sent back to junior, 10 players yeah. put on waivers uh, yesterday. And so we won't know uh, their their fate until um about an hour and a half from now. So sorry, everyone, but uh, on the Twitter, it's there. So yeah, if you, if you look at the tweet I put out yesterday, I kind of diagrammed what I, I see the roster looking like at the moment. And as, as far as roster bubble guys, I, I'd say, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I, I'd say nine roster bubble yeah, guys. I agree with that. Um, and then I'd say that's Donato, Geeky, True, Sprong, Hayden, Evans, Kempney, Flurry, and then Decord. Yep. Um, would would be my roster bubble guys. And so you need to cut six of those. Um I, I think Alex True is probably the first name that comes to mind for me. Yes. That's that's what I was thinking um, as well. Yeah, you'd agree on that one. I, I've I've seen I, uh, a lot of him, uh, his games and everything, just from the last year in the Kraken organization, then from a couple years before that in the Sharks organization. Um, still doesn't use his size in a yep. way that I'd like him to. He's, he still tries to play a skill game, which this may kind of sound harsh, but it it works in the AHL, but I just don't think he's skilled enough to have that work at this level. I was a little surprised to see Cole Lind waved instead of him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so True would be the first cut for me. Uh, who's who's your next name? Yeah, I mean, you know what? Let's let's go ahead and start from the from the back end out because I think that's a little clearer, okay. and then that that way we also know like how many, right? So I think Good idea. I, I think Joey is odd man out when it comes to the goaltenders. I just think that's that's just the reality of the situation. As much as I love seeing him dish the puck like he did to Donato in that first preseason game, I just think Joey's the odd man out. Um, and you know, you and I are talking about it. I I think it's kind of fifty fifty on whether or not someone's gonna cl- would claim him. To be to be honest, mm-hmm. I think his struggles last year, some issues this year. I I, I don't know that that teams are going to be chomping at the bit to grab him. He's another year older, right? They start looking at that age and going like, oh, has is he ever going to figure it out, right? That that idea starts creeping in. So I don't know that that Joey is a for sure. We're losing him if we wave him, but I do think he's odd man out from this group. I, I think you agree. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's it's the tough reality too with what's going on around him. He's the only cracking goalie who's allowed a goal in the preseason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's a pretty high bar to have to meet. Uh, I think more that just Martin Jones has earned that backup spot, you know, yeah. rather than Decord has lost it. Yeah, exactly. Um, on the back end, Kale Flurry. I haven't noticed him one bit. I think that's an easy one to say. You know, gonna gonna get sent down. Gonna go to Coachella Valley. Um, I think Kempney probably same boat, obviously injury and stuff there. Right. But, um, I, I just, I don't think going to make the roster. I don't know about you. Really? Okay. So I, I'm going to disagree with you here. Okay. Um, well, Kempney's injury status also complicates it does this complicate because he was out skating in red Jersey. Let's assume that he's healthy, uh, yeah. you know, 10 days from now, by, by the time the season starts. Um, if that's the case, I think he's going to be the seventh defenseman. Okay. Cause in the time that he was healthy and, and especially in training camp, one, they've been playing him more in those spots. And, and two, I liked what I've seen from him more, mm-hmm. um, certainly more than a kale flurry. I, I yeah. think I just, he's, he's not ready yet. I think we can both agree on that. And then Riker Evans is the other name to mm-hmm. mention. And while I do think that Riker Evans might, might be the better defenseman or the best defenseman of those three that we talked about, he is waivers exempt. They can send him down True. to Coachella Valley uh, without having to put him through waivers and, and risk losing him, 
Kempney, you'd have to waive. And then also, I just think it's better for his development to get some games in at the AHL level instead of making the jump to the NHL level, especially if you're going to be the seventh defenseman. Because yeah. that's the factor, too, is this is not someone who's going to be playing right away, you know, barring injury. Uh, he's going to be just sitting up there in the press box. And I think it's better to get him games with the Firebirds and, and have maybe Kempney sitting in the press box uh, th- than having Evans up. Yeah, well, that, I was going to say, because I don't know that, like, a Will Borgen is set. Because I was thinking Will really? Borgen can become seventh defenseman again, unfortunately, right? If you think Evans is ready to go. So that's that's kind of where I was coming from when I when I started all this. Um, I, I think everything you, you mentioned is, is right on, though, right? Evans being waivers exempt, huge deal. That flexibility, it makes more sense to send him down now and save that flexibility for later in the season. I think him being able to you know potentially have first pairing minutes in the AHL is far you know better for his development than being necessarily a third line guy or a third pairing guy for for the Kraken. I just I don't know. He's just looked really good and I would like to see him maybe rewarded for that. Certainly depending on Kempney's injury status, if he's going to be injured and all that kind of stuff and you need to keep another guy around, I think it would be nice to have Riker Evans around and and maybe get some NHL game time, you know, action while that's going on. And then when Kempney, you know, isn't injured anymore, you can just wave Evans and not have to worry about anything. That's probably what they'll do. But um, yeah, I was just, when it comes to Borgen, I was looking for that step, you know, forward from Borgen and he just looks like Borgen to me. And so I just, I don't know. Bring in the more okay. That's guy. interesting because I, I I do disagree with you on that. I, well, I yeah, think... this is this is where I'm working off of two and a little bit of a third preseason game viewing. You've got all training camp, so yes, please feel free to tell me I'm wrong on this. Yeah, so I'm interested to see also as the preseason goes on, as you're able to watch more games too, because um, that, that's right. It's it's not really fair at this point because I have yeah. seen a lot more, especially through training camp, than you have. And, and I am basing this a lot too on, on what I've seen in training camp rather than the preseason yeah. games. But, but Will Borgen has been impressive to me. I think obviously we know how strong he is on the puck, around yes. the puck, how physical he is. I think he's actually gotten a little bit better in that regard too. Um, but as far as the game type situations, those drills in training camp, I think he's moved the puck a little bit better out of his own zone. I think he's made more solid passes. Um, I, I like you know the, the instincts and, and kind of keeping his head up a little bit more than last season. He hasn't made as many of those mistakes that turn into opposing goals uh, and, you know, it helps when you have uh, have three shutouts at home. But I, I like what I've seen from him and also in that spot, too, mm-hmm. because you're looking at a sixth defenseman that not only just has to be there, but fits in with the rest of your blue liners. And I think the Kraken have a good setup right now where you've got three lefties and three righties. And I know that's not the most important thing, but also paired with Carson Soucy. I think the chemistry is there with him and we know this, they're friends, you know, they, they, yeah. they're always in the warmups together, stretching. I really do like the Susie Borgen pair, not just from that chemistry perspective, but kind of how they round each other out, uh, and, and work well together. And I, I just think he, we've seen Susie with Kempney. Uh, we've seen Susie, I think, you know, they've rotated the D pairs a lot yeah. over training camp. And when it comes to just a D partner for Susie, I think Borgen has looked far and away the best. All right. Well, there you go. You've convinced me then. So then, then yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Evans gets waived. Flurry gets waived. Kempney 770. 
Yeah, yeah. If he's healthy. Yeah, no, that is an important thing, you know, as we talk about all this stuff, right? I, I haven't been able to see, and I don't think Borgen was in one of the two preseason games I could watch. So I think I've, you yep. know, I've seen a very limited amount <laughs> like of Borgen. One game worth of it. Yeah, so um, definitely have to have to default to, to your opinion there. Um, okay, so that that gives us, what, three, right? Joey, Evans, Flurry. So now got to make three more forward cuts. We've already talked about True. We're, we're in agreement when it comes to him. Yep. So two cuts left to make between Donato... Hayden, Sprong, and Geeky. And Geeky. That's tough. That's really tough. It is really tough. You can make arguments for all of those guys. Yep. I, it's it's really close. I, I think you can make a good argument for all of them. Um, I mean, I, I mean, where do where do we start here? Yeah, I think I think we start with Donato's gonna make the team because of how his contract and everything went down. I think I think they're going to give him the opportunity to make the team. They're going to give him the opportunity to potentially play with Beneers, all of that stuff, if he can earn it as the regular season gets going. So I think Donato is there. And as far as preseason performance, like what more could you want? Exactly. He's looked fantastic too. So I, I think Donato's Donato is safe. So then you're looking at mm-hmm. Geeky, Sprong, Hayden. You got to lose two of those guys. Uh, are any of them waivers exempt? Is Geeky waivers exempt? I don't think any, so. all of them would oh, have to go. They're through all, they all got to clear so. waivers. Uh, well, actually it, it's worth mentioning too. Daniel Sprong Sprung's doesn't have on, a contract. Yeah. He doesn't have a contract. He's still on a PTO. I know we're talking like we assume he's going to get a no. contract. And I, at this point I kind of do, he's played well enough. Yes. I think he'd have to look really bad in these last two preseason games mm-hmm. uh, to not at least earn a two way deal or some, you know, something. Yeah. But I, I think we kind of assume that a contract is coming, especially since they've kept him around this long. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know. In, in a, mm, I, I think given the fact that Sprung's been around this long, I think they're probably leaning towards giving him a contract and keeping him around, in which case Geeky and Hayden are the, are the, are the odd man out. And I, I, I see that with Geeky. Again, I haven't, I, you know, tell me if I'm wrong from, from training camp, but certainly in games, I haven't seen anything from Geeky that's been like, hey, he's really taken another step forward and he can hold down that fourth line job kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I, unfortunately, because we we had such high hopes for for Geeky coming into mm-hmm. last season, and I think we've established the ceiling is kind of a, a fourth liner defensive center. Um, he, he has scored one goal in the preseason, but it was you know it was a nice dish from Tanev, kind of a you know open net one timer type situation. Um, I just yeah, I, I actually I picked him as you know making these cuts if I were to do it myself as the guy to stay just because the way things are set up right now with Yanni Gord at wing, you need a four C mm-hmm. and Daniel Sprong and John Hayden are, certainly are not going to do that right. for you. Um, and so that's why he sticks around. Um, but yeah, I think he still certainly has something to prove there, a, a lot to prove yeah. there. Um, so I, I would go with, with Sprong and Hayden as the cuts. And for Daniel Sprong, I, I think he's really impressed. He's done a good job. Uh, you just about everything you could ask from him. But at the end of the day, when you're someone who's brought in on a PTO, uh, I, I think probably best case scenario is, you know, you earn your contract mm-hmm. and you go down to Coachella Valley to start. Because if every forward is healthy, then, yeah. you know, what, what what can you really do? Um, and then, you know, at the first injury, he's a really good call up to have yep. someone who can bring a lot there. And then also in Coachella Valley, we'll talk about this a little later with their camp, but he'll be so excited. He'll be, yeah. he'll be a fan favorite down there. Yeah. And then John Hayden, 
had a great game, you know, in the Vancouver game. I feel like he was I someone who probably, yeah, he probably would have originally been one of these, um, you know, 10 players placed on waivers yesterday, but he's done well. And we've seen these type of players too are really valued mm -hmm. around the league. And that's where I'd worry about him on waivers. Mm -hmm. um, guys like this, you'll see, you know, maybe traded at the trade deadline or something. And they go for way more than you'd expect. Think of Nick Delorier last year, yeah. um, a guy who can, you know, do the fighting, do some of that dirty work, right? Uh, and is not a liability when it comes to the actual playing hockey part of things. Um, and, and Hayden certainly has held his own there. I mean, he's been a legit good fourth liner and um, he's tough to play against too. I've I've heard from more than one Kraken player about how tough he is uh, to play against in some of these drills and everything. Um, so you know that the players respect him as well. Uh, he, he'd be a tough one to cut because I feel like he might not make it. But yeah. um, I, I think at the end of the day, he'd be the one to have to go. I, I agree. And I've, I'm like trying to do I, I'm trying to do like roster gymnastics to find a way of keeping him because I feel like that is something the Kraken don't totally have is just this wrecking ball of a guy who's just going to go in there and just run people over. You know what I mean? And and you and I both know how valuable that can be. And I certainly think having, you know, Tanev on one side of your fourth line and Hayden on the other is just this Imagine. like horrible <laughs> proposition for some other team to have to deal with as, you know, Matty Beneers is, is resting for his next shift. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the kind of stuff you want is is it it just kind of leads to this unrelenting, you know, feeling. Um and I think that that's very valuable. Uh, so I I really really want Hayden to make this team, but yeah, I I, I think you're probably right. I I just don't know that it's that it's there. When you talk about roster gymnastics, the one thing I think is worth mentioning is Jonas Donskoy is hurt. Um, we don't he's just day to day. We don't have an update yeah. on him beyond that. So at least temporarily, maybe you can keep one more of these guys. Mm -hmm. And and between those two, I would go Hayden over Sprong just based on how the team is built. I agree. I agree. I don't think I'd keep Sprong. I think the team is going to maybe try to keep Sprong, but I, I wouldn't. We've been on record about this all last year, though. He scores. He can score. He's got a fabulous shot. I just, he needs to do more everywhere else. Um, okay, so that's that's kind of where, where the roster's standing. So you talked about it a little bit there with Sprong, talking about Coachella Valley. They kicked off their training camp now that they can, you know, have players. Uh, <laughs> and um, it's an important need for a training camp. It's, it is one of those things. So why don't you why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what's going on with the Firebirds right now up there? Right. So kind of kicked off a couple days ago where the Kraken made their first round of cuts. And, and I should clarify, too, for, you know, newer hockey fans, really anyone who's not familiar, you know, intimately familiar with all the, the weird workings of contracts and how it all works. Uh, when we say cuts, what what that means for most players is they're just simply sent down to the AHL, yeah. in this case, Coachella Valley. They do remain in the organization. Uh, you know, for some of those guys that require waivers, they'll have an opportunity to be claimed by other teams. But if they're not, they just go down to the AHL. But they're not cut in the sense that you might be used to yeah. with, say, football, where just you're on the roster or whatever. You know, think of it as, as a large yeah. practice not... squad if you're a football fan. Yeah, <laughs> they're not out of a job. Like they're, they're, They right. still have a job, yeah. 
Yeah, and that, and that contract still remains. So anyway, let, let's clarify that real quick. Um, but yeah, the Kraken sent down a number of players to the Firebirds, um, a bunch of them yesterday. And uh, yeah, the Firebirds have been hosting their training camp. They'll usually go on the ice uh, after the Kraken. Um, some names that you'll recognize from Kraken training camp, you know, uh, let's see, Callum Booth, uh, you know, Luke Henman, Ty Karche, Billy Petman, Petro Seppala, uh, Jesper Froden, Colt, you know, Cole Lynn being sent down. Hopefully he makes it, um, you know, all these names, Magnus Helberg. Um, so they've been getting to work there. Um, first of all, I got to say the Firebirds practice jerseys look awesome. Yeah. We got our first look at that the other day. Um, and so they've been preparing for the start of the AHL season. You've had the AHL coaching staff working with them, Dan Bilesma, uh, Jess Campbell and others on that staff. Um, and I like how they've run things too. I, I've gotten a glimpse of a couple of, of days of Firebirds training camp, and it's a lot of the same of, of what we've seen uh, from when that group ran some of the rookie camp days or the dev camp days. Um, you know, more of a focus on contact, more of a focus on game type situations. Uh, I got a great video clip. I need to tweet it. I think I forgot to yesterday where it was Dan Bilesma uh, working on a drill like board play and, you know, how to get the puck off the boards. And he was just working over one of the players along the corner boards, uh, you know, showing the other guys how it's done. You can see the smiles on the other players' faces too, watching their coach just come in and, you know, kind of slam the guy against the boards, you know, try and get the puck out, all that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, I like the intensity that I've seen from their practices. Um, you know, more than you'll even see at the NHL level sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that coaching staff has, has been getting to work right away, uh, prepping them for the AHL season. Yeah, no, it's I'm really fired up for this team. I think it's going to be a lot of fun for us to have an AHL team of our own. Finally, like that's we've <laughs> arrived. That's one of those things when you can have the uh, the big brother, little brother rosters and, and stuff kind of together. And it's it's a nice feeling. Um, and then, yeah, feeling like, you know, they're at least going to be here on the West Coast, certainly up there in Seattle. You're going to see these guys. Uh, for for a handful of games up there before they they finally come down to Coachella Valley, I I'm just really really fired up for this this team. Yep, nice nice no pun intended there pun intended fired of course up. pun intended come on yeah come on <laughs> all right all right I didn't say they were an electric group. <laughs> yeah they're okay fair enough fair enough and I, I do want to comment uh maybe say one more thing about like the the roster itself and kind of the way the team's been constructed i think they're going to be a really fun team to watch mm -hmm. you look at some of the offensive firepower that they're going to have uh, andrew potterowski is someone who stood out to me during kraken camp and he kind of knew he wasn't going to make the nhl roster but um put up over 100 points in the ahl last season i mean he just has that scoring touch uh you look at a guy like daniel sprong if he gets sent down um you know, jesper froden another guy with, with just a wicked shot who, um, you know, maybe again, not going to make the NHL roster, but these guys can really score at the AHL level. And it's going to be a fun uh, offensive team. I, I think they're the way that they're coaching to the pace in some of these practices. Um, they're they're going to come out and they're going to earn a lot of fans in Coachella Valley uh, just by how they play, how exciting they are to watch. Um, I think that's probably one of the goals, too, as you're trying to build a brand new fan base is playing that exciting brand of hockey. Uh, and you can see it really developing already. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's going to be just a lot of fun just seeing what I was able to see from, you know, everybody on like Twitter and stuff. 
posting from from their practices i i think it's going to be a lot of fun the the coaching staff like you said it's a good it's a really good group and i think it's a fun oh, yeah. group and i think they're going to be a group that's going to lean into that too that style of play and everything it's it's going to be a lot of fun so really looking forward to to the firebirds getting going we'll see you know we just talked about the last bit of last bit that needs to get trimmed off the the cracked roster we'll see who joins them uh it should be a lot of fun before we get to the mascot really quick rj I do think uh, there's a news item worth mentioning from yesterday. Player we didn't really get to talk about because he's out with injury. Chris Drieger uh, did have a little bit of an announcement, and I and I think it's something cool. So I want to kind of throw that in here uh, instead of just you know t- kind of tagging it on at the very very end. So why don't you go ahead and fill everybody in and what uh, Chris Drieger's been doing right now while he's been rehabbing his injury. So we got to talk to Chris Drieger yesterday, and it, first of all, it was just great to see him again. We talked about how kind of lonely and isolating it can be when you have these long-term injuries. And Chris Drieger, I mean, he's he's not the type of guy who's just going to sulk about things and and you know, and just kind of quietly sit there. I, he's he's uh, you know putting that time off to to real good use. And we got to talk to him yesterday about it. Uh, he started a brand new charitable organization called Drieger's Keepers. Great name, by the way, too. Mm-hmm. Love love the you know kind of rhyming bit. Uh, um, and what it does is it provides loaner goalie equipment to young players, which is going to allow more kids to try, let's be honest, one of the most cost prohibitive positions in all of sports. I mean, goaltending, you know, it's all the padding you need. It's it's very, very expensive. And hockey alone is a tough sport you know, to get into with all the costs associated with the gear and everything. We've seen a lot of barriers to entry on that. And then if your kid wants to be a goalie, I mean, bump that up even yeah. more so it can be very expensive. And so Chris Drieger actually benefited from a, a similar program where they had loaner pads where he could try out the position and his parents didn't have to, you know, shell out all that money right away, not knowing what, you know, what was going to become of it. And, you know, look where he is now. He's a, he's a goaltender in the NHL. And, um, you know, I, I think he just wants to help other kids, uh, you know, kind of maybe have that same experience that he did and, and help them in their journey along the way. Um, so he started Drieger's Keepers and 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 talked about it with us. He's such a great interview, by the way, too. Uh, we asked him, you know, well, what what made you want to be a goalie? What you know, how did you kind of get into goaltending and, and take that path? And he said, well, you know, I, I wasn't very good as a skater. In fact, I was pretty bad. You know, my whole first season, I, I used to scored only one goal. And so, you know, when I got in net and then I was able to you know, at least be, I think, you know, somewhat productive and somewhat help the team, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just kind of open my eyes as far as what you can do. Um, and it was funny, too. He asked, like, well, you know, were your parents, did they have that kind of sticker shock when they when you decided, oh, you want to be a goalie? He's like, no, they actually, you know, weren't fretting about it too much because I think they saw that first season with me as a skater, too. And they were <laughs> glad that I could kind of do something, uh, you know, to be helpful to a team. Uh, and of course, that's, you know, that's Driggs. That's that's his, you know, he's so funny. And um you know, he also talked about, you know, maybe the, the appeals of, of playing goalie, too, because we know that that goalies, you know, they, they you have to have a certain kind of personality. Yeah. Right. And he, he said, first of all, you know, it's, it's a loaded question, too, because goalies, you know, have a bit of a reputation, you know, for being a little out there. But um, he said the number one thing, too, is just that you can um, you have so much control over a game when you're on your game. You can basically single handedly win a game mm-hmm. for a team. You know, it goes the other way where you can almost single-handedly lose your game for the team. Uh, but there's, you know, a certain kind of personality that likes having that 
that ability to to go out there and and just be really good. So um, he he was there uh, for a, a charity event. Uh, you know, later in that day, he helped the kids put on the the goalie pads and everything. Um, you know, he talked to a lot of the kids. Really, you know, kind of made their day, and um, it, it was just a cool event. And then also, I, I want to mention too, they're working with what's called I think quick change pads which I think this is a really cool innovation. I had not heard about this before we got the press release uh, for the charity event, but they're pad goalie pads that are designed to just go over your skater gear. What? And so it takes, yeah, I watched a video on this. It takes about a minute to get all the goalie gear on and change a young player into goalie pads. And so you can just have through practice, any kid that wants to try goalie, it just takes a minute. They can throw the pads on and give the position a try. It, that's... You and I growing up, like, that was unthinkable, right? <laughs> totally. This is blowing my mind. <laughs> I... Yeah, so leveraging yeah. that that new innovation, too, to help more kids try the sport. I mean, the time is right. Yeah, no, I, oh, man, I love everything Drieger's doing with this. With this. Um, it's it's such a fantastic idea and, and it's such a necessary thing, I, I really feel like, uh, as far as getting more kids to, to try out goaltending. But, yes, that is that is absolutely blowing my mind, this quick change gear. This new generation, RJ, I'm telling you, they got it too easy. We used to have to skate uphill <laughs> both ways to get to the goalie gear, and then we'd have to spend like 45 minutes getting it on, and then, you know, you got like five minutes of practice left. Uh, <laughs> yeah. These kids will never know. They just never they just understand. Um, no, so that's that's all really, really, really good stuff uh, from Drieger. Glad, glad Drieger's still around. Got to see him. He seems a good spirits and everything, too. That's That's really important during the rehab. Yeah, and, and even talking about the injury too, they were like, well, you know, oh, how much, how involved are you going to be in, you know, in some of these clinics and everything? He's like, well, you know, I don't know if you guys know, but I got a little time on my hands. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think I'm going to be pretty involved. So yeah, he's, yeah. he's definitely looking on the bright side of everything. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Uh, without further ado, though, I think we got to talk about this mascot reveal because it did finally happen. Uh, obviously, we've been talking about this for a very, very long time you and I specifically, RJ, uh, about what the Kraken mascot was going to be. Finally got the reveal. It is, and then this is the first controversy, RJ, is it is it Bowie or is it Boy? Because like, I think the, the technically correct pronunciation would be like Boy, almost like Flavor Flav, mm. right? Boy, hey Boy, <laughs> yeah Boy. All right, um, so everybody make sure to do that with, with Bowie, but I think everybody's kind of going with Bowie, the kind of more colloquially used way of saying it right right <laughs> so um it's gonna be buoy that's what we're gonna say because that's what the team is really saying uh just about everywhere so sorry for those of you that are, that are sticklers for the pronunciation um we got we got to see buoy the other night debut uh based off the fremont troll so we you know they told us kind of we, we got that word out that it was going to be kind of fremont based uh kind of led us to the idea of probably the troll obviously we went through everything with the mascot contest you and i hosted at, with zoidberg and grunge won based off the fremont troll so very much we were prepared for for something like this as a as an eventual outcome um but we get buoy so a couple things of note i i do like the earring the anchor earring I like the the, mm -hmm. the kind of tentacle dread, and I really like the false tooth. I think that is a really really solid design element that makes all the sense in the world for a hockey mascot. I'm kind of like, did nobody think of this before? Like, what's the deal with that? It seems so obvious. 
Um, it's brilliant. That's my favorite part about yeah. Bowie. And it's, it's just genius, too. As soon as you, you see it, you're like, oh, how did no one else think yeah. of this? And, and just the ability to use it, it just as a prop anywhere, it, it gives a lot of uh, possibilities. Yeah. So uh, Bowie the Troll, um, I, I think it's a it's an overall solid design. I, I will say the thing I probably like the most is the logo, the like name logo, where it's got that like, kind of little kid, you know, almost finger paint kind of style writing with the signature yes and the and the b is like a hockey stick i really like that well that 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 is great as soon as i saw it yesterday on some of the merch and everything like oh this is this is brilliant great signature easy to do good for the kids yep yeah you can tell a lot of effort went into that yeah i i think that that's really really solid um otherwise i mean it's a mascot it's i don't know i i was a little underwhelmed to be honest so was i yeah it's the kind of thing so look i knew about let's say 15 minutes before the reveal that it was going to be a troll okay and i got really excited when when i knew it was going to be a troll because i you know the winner of our contest was a troll um i think there's a lot of great possibilities with that Mm -hmm. um you know of course troll trolling you can have a fun personality with that and you know when when he came you know repelling down from the rafters i i don't know i kind of shook my head i'm like Oh, okay. Um, this is this is the execution on that. Um, you know, like maybe maybe it'll grow on me. But um, yeah, I, I was was a little underwhelmed, a little disappointed. Um, I just something something didn't didn't quite look right or sit yeah. right. Maybe you can help me. I was say, say. Maybe we can talk this out yeah. and explain what it is exactly. For me, it's it's how safe the design is. And I mean this from a, not like, like a, oh, this is what he looks like, but from like a, an actual costume design, I was really hoping for something kind of innovative and, and something like we haven't seen before. Um, I think that that's low key. One of the things that's worked really well for Gritty is that Gritty is just a blob, right? He's an orange blob covered in fur. And what that allows them to do is I think there's multiple Gritty suits, and they're all structurally different to allow Gritty to do different things and have different types of movement. And I think that that's one of the things that that Loki really works about Gritty that doesn't get talked about behind the personality and the crazy googly eyes and the streaking at Stadium Series games and all of that, right? Is the fact that Gritty as a design, by keeping it so basic as just orange fur blob, it allows you to do a lot of stuff behind that fur that allows Gritty to have different movements at different times, at different appearances, all of that stuff, and, and allows Gritty to really kind of do more than just someone in a felt suit, right? And, and I feel like that's where this mascot, I was, I was, you know, maybe that's too much for me to have, have hoped for, um, but I was hoping for something that was going to have a little bit more possibility as far as what they're going to be able to do as a character, right? Bowie is going to be able to just be a mascot character who can walk around, visit people in the stands, show up at kids' parties, that kind of stuff. But it's always going to be, you know, bipedal and just kind of walking like like a person in a suit. And I wanted something that felt a little bit different than that. And, and so I think that's really where I'm disappointed by things is just, you know, they're, they're very tethered to the suit that they have. They're very tethered to that now because of this overall design and the limitations that that suit then has. Um, 
So that's that's where I was coming from was I just wanted something new, fresh. Let's build some technology into it. Like, can we have glowing eyes or something? You know what I mean? Like LED strips in it somewhere, mm-hmm. something like that. Like, I, I really felt like, you know, because they had so much time to put this together, I was I was hoping to see something that that we could all point to. Like, we've been able to with so much of, of the Kraken fan experience and be like, hey, we're the first, you know, NHL stadium with a skylight right basically right where you can just stand outside and look through a window and watch hockey that's incredible i was hoping that we were going to have something like that that we could point to the mascot and be like look we're the first people to do this isn't that cool we're taking mascots into the 21st century and and it didn't happen and so that for me was the biggest disappointment and I, I agree with everything you just said there. I think that there was def- that that, that kind of helps me understand, you know, a bit of, a bit of my own disappointment. And I think it also kind of fits in with with a larger theme of, I, I don't know, not really committing just a little bit, you know, but not fully to the to everything. I think, you know, you, you want to go different. You want to have a troll, which is definitely something different. You yeah. Know? Um, I, I think there was a quote in one of the articles about Bowie that there's only one other sports team in the country that has a troll as a mascot. <laughs> like that is very different. Right. But then you go kind of conventional as far as the costume and, and as far as like the, the personality, too. And I get it. It's tough in the post gritty world, it is. Um, you know, to, to get a mascot personality just right. It's like you can't possibly be like edgier than gritty. Nope. But, you know, if you're going with a troll, it can't just be like super nice and friendly all the time. Got to troll people. Right. You know, that, that's kind of part of what the mascot has to be. And I felt like they were just kind of in this middle ground where it didn't really work. Again, it's it's one game. Yeah. But I felt like they were kind of trying to, to be everything and, and not. When, when you try and be everything to everyone, it, you're you're kind of just doomed to fail at that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, and I also think that they, you know, they maybe thought the reaction might be a little better just kind of from the Internet and from the public. Um, and so, you know, like, we, I think we have to talk about the online reaction yes. as, as much as we might want to avoid. I think we have to talk about it right. because, you know, I, I was tweeting about Bowie, you know, I tweet, got a lot of traction there. And I was, you know, kind of scrolling through the thousand or so quote mm-hmm. tweets and replies over the various Bowie tweets. I think it's fair to say that the reaction online was overwhelmingly negative. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, probably. I think it, at the, certainly you would we say can argue that it how was, much that matters like or doesn't tepid. matter. Like, like people were not, yeah. yeah, totally on board. I will say things have seemed to have changed as other fan bases have commented on Bowie in negative ways. I, it feels like a lot of uh, Kraken fans have really kind of rallied around Bowie now. And it's like, hey, no, we, you know, if anyone's going to make fun of it, it's going to be us. Like, you can't, you know, make fun of this. <laughs> like, no, we got to got to support our boy. And I do appreciate that about the, the Kraken community. But it, it there was a lot of certainly writing it off of, oh, well, you know, it's for the kids. So, okay. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like there was a lot of people who kind of felt that way. You know, Gritty, one of the things, again, that works with Gritty is Gritty kind of plays to an older audience. It's the one mascot oh, sure. that's playing to adults. It's playing to people on social media. Gritty's not really playing to kids. You know what I mean? No, I mean, he's not for the Gritty's, kids at all. Gritty's getting lawsuits for being too rough with kids. <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's the situation you've got going on there. So, um I think people were maybe hoping for that. Adults were maybe hoping for that, for a mascot that was going to speak to them. And what the Kraken gave us was a mascot that is built for children. Uh, Again, more traditional mascot role, more traditional mascot. I think the word you were kind of looking for was safe. 
right? The design yep. is safe. Everything about Bowie's personality is very safe. The whole thing just, that's the word that I keep coming back to when it comes to Bowie. So yeah, I, I think that was part of it was people had expectation of kind of, you know, at least calling Gritty, right? Like, like being the same as Gritty, but really what we got was just a traditional mascot and that disappointed people. No, I, I agree. And um, I will say, though, because, you know, you talk about the kids angle and I, I wasn't sure how, you know, the kids w would react, you know, because it's certainly geared toward that. Right. And of course, we had that that funny quote from the, uh, you know, from the youth hockey yes. player there. You know, I do not like it, <laughs> <laughs> which that, that was just uh, that was hilarious. And and I got some clarification too, uh, you know, from someone who knows the, the player. Uh, he was referring to he, he uh, did not like that uh, Bowie was. Tapping, tapping him on the head, head like yeah. that yeah so I, I know i wasn't referring to just buoy but in the context of it you know of everything it was just really funny um so you know just nice nice light funny moment but anyway i will say because we was there the next day at practice i believe that was yesterday for like a whole you know meet the mascot thing mm -hmm. for fans so many kids were there i've never seen more kids turn out to a crack awesome. in practice and almost like just everybody all the kids absolutely loved him yeah. The kids, like, I just, you could see the excitement on their faces. They were so happy. Um, you know, if I overheard things from a few of them, you know, walk it away. Cause I, you know, I stay there for a long time after practice and they were talking about how great Bowie was. Mm -hmm. um, so I will say the, the kids absolutely loved him. So, you know, on that front mission accomplished completely. Yeah. No. And, and again, at the end of the day, that is who the mascot's there for. Right. Yes. Like it's it's there to to welcome kids in to to be that extra little something, because, you know, at four years old, sports can be boring. Right. Like, but you know what? We want to take four year old, you know, like you know, you want to take your kid to a game. Right. And if the kid thinks it's boring, that's not like going to be the greatest experience for you. Right. And the mascot's one of those things to help get kids in the building, make them feel like they had a good experience there so that they want to come back. Right. It, it, sports is an entertainment product. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I will beat that drum till the day I die. And this is very much part of it. And it's and it's something to speak to that next generation as like a point of entry to a franchise and i think Bowie's is going to do an excellent job at that and so therefore Bowie is a hundred percent a success i just think when it came to those of us who you know like like you and i kind of have to be on it for this job right on social media and really be plugged into the community <laughs> so we get kind of a different sense of things because you know six-year-olds aren't on social media they really shouldn't be if they are mm -hmm. <laughs> um they, we, we're not able to we're not able to hear those voices you know what I mean? And so I think it can kind of sway uh, what our perception of public opinion is. But I got to think everybody who's got a kid who's seen that mascot, they're really into it. And, and that that's that's, you know, fun for them. And I think that's a really good thing. At the end of the day, that that is what it's all about. Yeah. And then I think the last thing, though, that also kind of fed into it was the confusion around Bowie's gender too became like a big part of the discourse on social media too and i was not expecting that i don't think many of us were no and this kind of goes back to me being disappointed with how safe Bowie overall was as far as the costume was like i was kind of hoping we would have a female mascot you know what i mean like i, I think that too. would be something that was going to be really cool then you get all the pr releases from the team and they're very careful not to gender Bowie. So now it's like, okay, Bowie exists, you know, non-binary exists outside of gender, whatever, however you want to call it, right? That's cool. I'm down with that. 
Like, let's let's go. I already call it's all a mascot. The, like, right. You know, like, yeah. exactly. I already <laughs> call all mascots. It's anyway. Right. So yeah. I, I'm 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 down with that. Um, but then you have the Seattle Times article come out. You have the Espen article from Ryan Clark as well. But you have Jeff Baker's Seattle Times article come out that really goes out of its way to clarify that Bowie is a he. And that caused a lot of of stuff on social media and what i'm gonna say is i really think that this is because after reading both articles the seattle times article from jeff baker and the ryan clark article ryan clark obviously having been with the athletic last year with the kraken i really feel like those articles were written back in december when we almost got buoy and they talk about in both of those articles using pretty close to the same language all of the things around almost having buoy in december and then not having buoy in december i think those articles were literally written in december put on the shelf until now that's why ryan clark kind of had an exclusive even though he's now a national reporter i think it's because he already wrote that article a couple months ago <laughs> and i'm just gonna say this is my opinion we have, you know, haven't talked to either of them don't know this as a fact but i really think that's what it was and i think that that might have been more of what the kraken were going for back in december and then maybe things changed internally to kind of remove the the pronouns and everything right to now. And that's where that kind of dissonance was where you have really these two articles saying, you know, definitively, no, he is the nephew of the Fremont troll and all this stuff. Whereas the team is very much just like, yeah, we're not talking about it. And at least that's, that's what, that's my best guess anyway. Cause there's, there's a lot of time in between those two things. You're talking about like 10 months. So. For sure. And, and they went into a lot of the lore, the backstory for Bowie and everything. Yeah. They had that whole thing built. And one of the elements that was clearly in, in, you know, in Baker and Clark's pieces was that nephew of the Fremont troll. And that right. answers that question. And, and it was included, I don't think anywhere in the press release that we got on the day of. So it's just, right. one, or yeah, was it, it? No, it was included for the first time in the email the Kraken sent out yesterday to fans. That's okay. the first time so yeah, that it, was confirmed. Yeah, but we got a press release, you know, maybe five or so minutes after the, the official yeah. unveiling and everyone saw it. Um, and it wasn't mentioned anywhere in there. So I think it's one of those things that was there originally, probably just got taken out. That would that would make sense. Um, mm -hmm. And so that, that leads that to that confusion. The team has confirmed the whole nephew story anyway. Um, but yeah, I do want to say that that was a bit of disappointment for me. It's just that I, I kind of wanted a female mascot. And I really think it's a missed opportunity because with Bowie, with the whole execution, with everything, I just, it, it's possible. There's nothing about Bowie that, that makes that impossible. I, right. I think, um, it, it'd be easy to, to make that work. Uh, it doesn't. Yeah. I, I just think it was, it was right yeah. there. And, and so I, yeah, I call it a missed opportunity. Again, it felt like the safe choice and they just went with the safe choice and yep. yeah. And so that, that's what's there. So, uh, like I said, just got, had to talk about it because that turned into a lot of the discourse uh, as far as uh, mm -hmm. maybe some of that negativity that people were feeling towards it, too, um, as we're trying to kind of put all that into words. Uh, it was it was certainly a unique situation that you had, you know, yeah, Jeff Baker defending his article, the people that turned into a whole thing, too, <laughs> stuff. So it was uh, uh, let's not get into that. Time. I know it was an interesting time. Um, all right. So that's, that's it for this nice long hour and a half episode of the deep dive. <laughs> yeah. Hey, isn't it great to have so much to talk about again though? Yes, it is. Uh, super excited for, for the season. We'll have only one more deep dive before the regular season. Next deep dive will be the last Let's deep go. dive before the regular season. We'll have those last two preseason games under our belt. We'll know what the finalized roster is. I think at that point, right? Cuts will have to have happened. 
I would think so. By yeah. then, yeah. So that's going to be super exciting. Heck, the regular season will have started for the NHL by then too. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> gotta gotta do with that. Um, but yes, uh, just one last shout out, everybody. Check out the Patreon. See if it's something you want to do for this season. Uh, you can hop on at any point during the course of the season. But uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and and you know we're going to be kicking that off this week. First first episode of the Red Glare Podcast, talking league wide stuff going to come out at the end of this week so uh, if you want to be around for that make sure you you take a look at that and um i think that's that's everything rj we can we can just go ahead and say see y'all next time